Hi everyone, welcome to PA Talks, an interview series by Parametric Architecture, the world's most renowned avant-garde architecture platform about parametric and computational design. We meet the architecture and design pioneers on this podcast and talk about their careers, experiences, methodologies, and visions for the future. My name is Hamid Hasanzadeh, founder and editor-in-chief of Parametric Architecture Platform. Welcome to the show, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. To support this podcast, please check the links in the description. Make sure to follow our platform on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and support us on Patreon. You may listen to this conversation on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. The following is my conversation with Alper Derimboas, Turkish architect and the founder of Salon Alper Derimboas, an architectural studio that is based in Istanbul. Alper investigates the possibilities of the physical environment through the potential relationship between space and time. His design varies in scale from museums to installations, intending to uncover and question the essential elements of the given site. Derimboas graduated from Istanbul Technical University and received a Fulbright scholarship for his master's degree in architecture and urbanism department at the University of California, Los Angeles. He represented Turkey in the 14th Venice Biennale International Architecture Exhibition and its debut year of the Pavilion of Turkey in 2014. Derimboas has gained many awards and recognitions including Archdaily Best Young Practices in 2020, Good Design Award in 2018, A-Plus Architizer Award in 2015, and many more. In this episode we discussed about his career, design philosophies, his fast-growing studio and his recent projects. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello Alpar. Hi Hamid, hello. hello nice everyone. to meet you. Nice, nice to see you. Welcome to Pietox episode 35 and uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for inviting. It's a pleasure. My one of few uh, live uh, Instagram talks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, With thank you. you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure a lot of questions we're, we're going to get from audience. Uh, just before we start the conversation, uh, guys, if you have any questions to ask Alpar, just uh, write them in the question box down below. I'll be exploring them through uh, during the conversation. So if you have any questions from Alpal, please write them in the question box down below. We may close the comments to uh, increase the quality of the video. In case you have any questions, write them in the question box down below. So welcome Alpal. Uh, I, I want to start the conversation by going back to history since I've been knowing you. It's, it's been from, I think, since 2015, I've been knowing you. I've been following your works and They're uh, quite admirable, Venice Architecture Biennale or uh, Museum of Istanbul. We're going to talk about, discuss about these projects and particularly uh, uh, your recent projects in Istiklal Jadisi as well. But, uh, and also recently I, vi I, I visited you uh, in the office salon in, in Istanbul uh, recently. It was, I think, three or four months ago. And we were wearing t-shirts. <laughs> so before going to the conversation, I just want to ask uh, to, brief, to briefly introduce yourself and just tell us how did you become an architect and also how did you start your office salon? 
Yes, thank you for uh, for for nice entry. I hope I uh, I don't uh, disappoint you guys <laughs> no <laughs> for this great intro introduction. Uh, we I I've been an architect. Uh, I mean, I decided to be an architect because essentially I was interested in art and science. And uh, one of architect friends uh, by the time recommended that uh, architecture can be kind of between art and uh, science. Uh, I'm not sure if that is uh, in the practical architectural uh, <laughs> matter, but uh, I thought it, was, it, it could be a good place to explore it. And I think I was kind of right. I, I, I like it. Uh, I like it when I started studying in school. I think uh, the strange thing about architecture is like uh, in a lot of the art uh, oriented things, you can really start earlier in earlier ages uh, to draw and all that. But in architecture, you really need to tools uh, to really make architecture. So uh, I think it's a, it's a late growing uh, kind of art. Uh, but I was kind of uh, happy with that, and uh, things become things things evolved uh, very quickly. I was studying in school, uh, doing a lot of uh, internships here and there, the, the offices I, I would like and stuff, and uh, they started paying me. I was like uh, very early in the in the in the education, but still it was very exciting to be really part of the projects and get some responsibility and all that. So I recommend it to everyone like early in early times. I think you are much more uh, open to learn th things uh, and unlearn the uh, school basics and uh, make a different perspective. So it was very helpful. And then uh, the school was nice. Uh, we had amazing uh, teachers and instructors and very inspiring people, not an ordinary architecture uh, education, I would say. I was lucky to work with a couple of very interesting uh, studio instructors. And then uh, then it was US. Uh, there was this uh, uh, there was this kind of uh, award scholarship whatsoever uh, gave me a chance were, to- you were, you were at the UCLA, right? Yes, yes, yes. Masters in UCLA. Uh, it, was, it was an interesting school. It was uh, like California, uh, California has SciArc, UCLA, and many other uh, schools. Uh, but I thought it could be nice to uh, see different parts of the education also, like from the movies, uh, from business. So I, I always enjoyed different uh, parts of uh, learning, uh, different, different parts of life coming together. And I think what architecture is essentially about. So it was a very interesting opportunity and things evolved like I... I uh, I studied with Tom Main. Uh, I was uh, once an intern uh, for his office. Uh, I I worked with uh, many uh, interesting. I was uh, crossed by. I mean, I was in the studio of the Frank Frank Gehry also, Greg Lean, all these uh, amazing guys, and they were re really inspiring. And also, it was inspiring people too, like uh, the friends. Uh, by the time I met there and, and all that. So, uh, so when, I was, uh, uh, when I was back in Turkey in 2010, uh, also there were a lot of new opportunities and uh, uh, you could test out different things and 
uh, it was a lot of interesting imitations by the time. So, uh, so things evolved quickly and then I started my practice. Yes. I would say. <laughs> yes, I called amazing. it Salon. Yes. Where did you start it? <laughs> you have uh, a story yes. on it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, uh, I was teaching in school by the time uh, and I didn't essentially have a classroom. Like I was, I was teaching for a master's degree and I didn't, uh, I was maybe one of the only uh, teachers. I was not having a studio and then we, we were stuck around the uh, salon. Uh, it's, it was called Salon E or something. I don't remember. And then uh, also in my, in, my, in my home, I was working from Salon. The, it's, it's a living room, essentially. And, uh, you know, I was reading this story about uh, French salons <laughs> by the time. So yes. how the revolution started, initiated by the Salon meetings and stuff. So I thought it was, a, it was an interesting name. Yes. So uh, your passion and interest stretches beyond uh, typical boundaries of architecture from explorations across multiple disciplines and cultural uh, contexts such as augmented structures, art installations, and also architecture buildings and, and many other activities. Uh, what is the inspiration behind working in multiple scales and how does this affect your architecture? Yes, I mean, I was, I think, always a bit distracted with a lot of different things. Uh, and like in a world that you have to be really uh, focused on certain things and like you only have to work on that, like you have to spend 10,000 hours and all that. Uh, I believe it has a very important uh, angle. But I but think the way we are you also... Say, but the way you say distracted, is it some kind of uh, like a negative point you say? No, I mean in the in the in the world of uh, in in today's world or maybe yesterday's world, uh, it could be considered uh, a negative thing. But then I think there are very positive things you can find inside. So you can really tie different parts. Like uh, you know, if you you could be interested in art, you could be interested in science. I'm not sure if this is gonna be applying for all these other professions because like then if you are making science, then you possibly need to be very specific in what you are doing. But in architecture, it's a, it's a very rough science. You can't, really, you can't really frame it. Every time, every, everything, every program, every location is a complete new adventure. Uh, so it is very open to different things. So I think it was a, it was a positive thing. Yes. And how does this affect your architecture? Like working in different scales, uh, how it affects Working in different scales is uh, is great and terrifying. Also, uh, I remember in two thousand, it was two thousand eight uh, or nine, uh, maybe. Uh, it was a it was a panorama. Uh, my first uh, built work. Uh, it was a, a collaboration between British Council and uh, some inst art institution. And I was working with Andreas Fogeras, he's a, uh, a uh, Austrian artist, uh, nice, very nice guy. He was, he was a, he's a dropout architecture uh, student. <laughs> he, he quit school and decided doing art. And I kind of quit art and decided doing architecture. So it was a nice collaboration. <laughs> and uh, and I, I designed something 
uh, which is it was a still structure one very experimental stuff hanging uh, it was hanging a huge disc a huge white disc uh, and it was looking like almost floating in the air like we developed the steel details and all that and then it was everything was on paper and two weeks later we saw it in the on the site <laughs> i mean this might be a very small thing for uh, a lot of the architects but it was huge like uh, seeing like you do models you do uh, mock-ups and all that but still seeing it on site is completely insane and then I thought architects have a really huge responsibility because you see that and then you start thinking a lot of things could go, go wrong. Like these uh, metal wires could snap, like uh, it, was, it could broke, like there was strong so, wind. You calculate everything, you make models and you imagine everything. You try to imagine everything, but in the real scale is a completely different thing. And it has a lot of the different dimensions. And I think uh, today's, in today's world, today architecture world, we don't really, uh, we can't really do a great job because uh, because all the risk, all, uh, with all the all the respect, uh, car makers, uh, industrial designers, you know, they uh, the amount of time and the amount of models they do before they develop a single object is amazingly uh, in, in in proportionally huge compared to what we spend in architecture. architecture. So yes. I think it's, it's both a super exciting work, uh, almost like a roller coaster or snowboarding or I don't know, like uh, one of these extreme sports. Uh, and it, is, it, it also has a huge responsibility, I think. Yes, amazing. That's why, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I think excited me by the time. Yes. And... Talking about one of your projects uh, about, uh, in, back in 2011, you gained a, a, a good uh, recognition with one, one of your projects called Augmented Structures, which you worked with uh, Refik Anadol as well. Refik was in this, in this show uh, previously yes. as well. He oh, really? About, nice. nice. Yeah, he talked, about, mm. he talked about this project and... He always mentions your name, Alpar Boss. We did that project with Alpar Boss. Uh, so I know his... Amazing friend, yes. Yes, exactly. I know his uh, point of view, uh, like a, a bit of like artistic look to this project. But uh, on the other side, I want your, your point of view as well. The way this project showcased the architectural structures and facade elements inside the facade of a building uh, it was mm -hmm. projected to the facade of the building. It was so amazing. Uh, can you. you talk about this project and what was the feedback from the audience wh while they were uh, watching this project? In 2011, I was <laughs> not here. I, I didn't experience it personally, but I, I heard the stories. I read a, lo a lot about it. Can you talk about it? Uh, yes, it was the... Uh... It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to work with Refik, a really long time, good friend. We still work on different projects, uh, some confidential works, also some public things that's going to come up, hopefully. Uh, that time was very exciting. It was like uh, a booming time of Istanbul by the time. And then uh, it was the Biennale time. It was the uh, Art Biennale opening time uh, by, the, by the time we were doing the... Uh, show and uh, Yapakredi invited us uh, to Tulay Hanım. 
in white stuff. Yes, this uh, this 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 piece, and uh, yeah, Kennedy invited us to make a, a large exhibition, and then uh, we were like instead of an exhibition, uh, instead of a instead of talking about ideas, we could actually do, do it, and people can experience it. So we decided we make a proposal for the facade, and uh, this is this is it. This was uh, we prepared like three different options uh, to present to Leihanum, uh, the head of the Yapukredi culture, uh, very nice lady, like very intellectual and engaged with the project. And we thought this was gonna be impossible to execute. So we had some backup projects, uh, but she confirmed the project and we were like uh, super excited about it. Uh, and a little bit terrified also because everything needed to be produced in in a uh, in a month or two months, and we had to design everything in a month. So it was like more, not uh, not more than two and a half months in total the uh, design and construction of the project. It was uh, we used all the digital fabrication technologies, uh, so everything is produced uh, by CNC and laser cutting and uh, precise production methods because it needed to be. Uh, exactly fit with the imagery. Uh, so it was a quite challenging thing uh, and it was a very short time uh, development. And uh, the structure is designed very lightweight because there's an existing facade and like you can't, you cannot uh, hang too many things, but it's a huge surface. So you have to, uh, to consider the wind loads and all that. So, and uh, these pieces had to be applied in the side only for, uh, only in a day or so. Uh, because it was a, it is a very busy busy road. You can't get permissions and all that. So uh, it was a very technically very intense project, and uh, we developed everything uh, in uh, in Rhino uh, Grasshopper. Uh, we tested a lot of things in uh, different softwares, tensile structure softwares, and we also used uh, a lot of sound processing uh, components, and we turned them into three-dimensional data. Uh, so we did, we practically did uh, everything that was taught in, in, in school, uh, which we didn't really apply before. And all these ideal production methods went into that and it worked. And it was, uh, it was one of our very early, early work. Uh, it's 400 square meter uh, facade uh, construction uh, combined with digital data, digital visualization, it was combined like a, like a globe. It was it fit into each other. So I think it's, it is uh, one of the only piece in this this scale. Yeah, amazing. One of your most anticipated projects that uh, uh, is being uh, I'm waiting for it as well uh, is mm -hmm. uh, your. Uh, your, your Museum of Istanbul project, uh, which, is, which is near complete completion. Can you talk about the challenges that you had with, with this project during the design process? And because the, the location and the understanding of the project is related to the history of Istanbul. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about this cultural uh, background of this project as well? Yes, it's, uh, it's a very exciting project. It's another exciting project for us. It's uh, going uh, since 2015. So it has been more than five years we are working on the project. And I was quite uh, depressed about it. And then 
uh, I met Semra Hanum, which is uh, who just opened uh, Republic uh, Orchestra of Opera uh, back in Ankara after 22 years of construction. And I was an intern in that, that project and it took uh, quite a long time. Uh, then uh, I, I understood that really this kind of scale, scale projects uh, really take time. Uh, but in, in that case, it's, it's the challenge. It, it takes time because uh, cultural institutions needs to align with it. Uh, we work with public institutions, so they, they have their own uh, expectations and they sometimes change to you. Uh, the, the project is very specific. It sits on a very uh, specific site. Uh, we are close to the historic urban land walls, uh, Byzantine land walls. Uh, you, we, we still relate to them and we, we try to engage it in a, in a very interesting way. Uh, we are describing Istanbul is a very, one of the most complex cities. It's called the megalopolis. It's beyond metropolis kind of thing. And uh, it is a very fragmented uh, history. And we, one of the other challenges is how do you, how do you, uh, how do you kind of relate to the Istanbul or uh, symbolic meaning of Istanbul? So uh, there are many uh, different relationships. You, you see the site plan here uh, in connection with the urban land walls. The, building is uh, waiting uh, just in the middle of the historic Istanbul and the modern Istanbul. So it's in an inflection point, everything changes. Uh, the urban landscape changes, the uh, buildings, the functions, everything change, changes in this point. So it is in an inflection point. So if you can use this uh, contrast and make it, into, uh, make it into something important, then things can evolve very nicely and quickly. This is what we hoped as uh, we were designing it. And uh, it, is, it was an amazing team we worked with. Uh, I want to mention everyone, but it's more than, uh, more than uh, 20 different teams uh, worked in the design and more than uh, 20 or 30 people, uh, academicians, creators worked on the, uh, on the curatorial contents of the project. So uh, we, we had consultants from uh, London to, uh, to, to Los Angeles, to uh, a lot of different cities uh, from Austria. Uh, we worked with uh, very in interesting uh, structural designers and uh, uh, it was a very, uh, very layered uh, kind of teamwork. Uh, we also used BIM techniques, uh, which was uh, pretty much one of the first buildings that is done uh, in terms of the public uh, public commissions. Uh, it was one of the uh, very few BIM uh, application. And also we use different technologies on the facade. Uh, so many, many complications, maybe different, uh, different interview uh, subject. <laughs> yes, yes, amazing. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. a great project. Thank you. Uh, recently, you have finished uh, an, ad an adaptive reuse project in Istanbul, which is uh, located in Istiklal Jadis, one of the crowded hearts of the country. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, and it, it, is, it is called Fitash uh, Passage, if I'm yes, right. Yes. Yeah, Fitash Passage. Can you talk about the most important aspects of this project uh, that differentiates the building from the conventional mm -hmm. uh, passage? Uh, 
is is a very uh, historically very important building also very important for me because I, when i was studying we used to go to movie theater there like you know with your girlfriend like you hang out there and uh, it was a very lively part of uh, the street uh, so it uh, but it was originally built as a passage uh, people were supposed to go inside and come out at the at the other street so it was uh, actually a passage thing and there's like the uh, the shopping malls of the time uh, they're very fancy shopping malls are uh, like today uh, they're very interesting uh, to the public and all that but then it didn't really work like that because it is uh, because Isiklas Street, the ground repair by the old name, uh, has faced a lot of social changes. So it was uh, used differently. And we wanted to bring this uh, kind of importance of the building back into the uh, into the Isiklas Street. And we wanted, uh, this is a very historic area, as you know, uh, and uh, we always see the historic buildings and all that. But this was actually a modern building, which... Uh, uh, which lost its modernity, which lost its contemporary vibe. So we wanted to see, we wanted to give the feeling of the people that uh, the street still is evolving and it is uh, open to change and it's going to bring new things. And uh, that's pretty much how it is, how we how we designed it. And also we wanted to bring a kind of verticality of the buildings into the street because all around the world, we experience this kind of street uh, street situation, uh, shopping street situation. The shopping streets turn into shopping malls and like all the ground floors are utilized, but then above floors are kind of dull and not working exactly as they should be uh, because it's a different society, different culture and different needs of today. Uh, and we wanted to bring this vertical uh, use. So we, we wanted to make them vertical street and Kind of applied this concept into the into the building, and uh, we we kind of did a shop mix uh, regarding that, and also uh, we proposed kind of a certain facade that uh, implies what is going on inside the building. And of course, when you are looking from inside, you can uh, frame different uh, angles of the Taksim Square, of the street, uh, of people. You have a public balcony where you can. Uh, come out and uh, take your coffee or enjoy the view and all that. So we wanted to bring this publicness into the uh, into the project by as designing it. Yes. And yes, this is this is how it looks. Amazing. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, you want to continue about this project or shall I move forward? I think this is this is pretty much that. I mean, there are interesting uh, fabrication uh, technologies uh, we again used. Uh, we always uh, we always try to even if it's a simple facade. I mean, this is not a very complex form to work on. Uh, although it's a very simple facade, we always work uh, from 3D model uh, from um, precise dimensions to the 3D model, and then we make it into reality. This way, you get a precise result. So this is uh, this is what is different. I mean, if you look at the historic buildings, they are always uh, relating to the context and uh, uh, different geometries, but this is a new fabrication method, and I think it has a it has a sense uh, it has a sense when when you reflect it into 
into, into building. Yeah, amazing. And Thank also you. recently you have published a, 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 an educational center project which is connecting two parts of the university. It is, I think, Yildiz Technical University in Istanbul. The project is called Ecoton. And can you briefly discuss about this project as well? Yes, it is, it is one of the very fun projects we have been working on. Um, it is, again, an interesting brief. We are located in a, uh, on top of, actually, we are located on top of a car park, so we can't really have uh, foundations. And there's a lot of wind here, so, and, you know, the earthquake situation. So we have a lot of, we had a lot of constraints. And then uh, we started the project, designing the project, uh, considering all the constraints and all that. And then Corona happened uh, by the time and <laughs> we were under lockdown when we were commissioned to the, commissioned to the design the, uh, the building. And uh, surprisingly, client wanted to continue with the project. Uh, they were very enthusiastic about the project. And we were just developing our first proposal and uh, again, uh, above these kind of situations, we had the corona issue because people needed to be able to work here, although there's corona or other things, uh, because this is, uh, they, they are still using the offices. There are many uh, operations that needs to be on site and uh, they were considering to still uh, be in this place. So, uh, bringing the corona situation and all the other things, we come up with this design. Uh, what this design uh, tries to achieve is uh, to, even though there's a uh, there's this uh, constructional uh, or structural challenge uh, of earthquake and uh, non uh, non foundation uh, building, uh, we still wanted to develop a thin uh, and slim uh, column into the project and uh, to do that we decided we just do the column stronger in the in the parts where it is needed uh, so we we make it more slender uh, more slender uh, column uh, but we uh, we make it more stronger on the edges so this was a structural idea turned into an architectural language and it was reflected all over the place and what is also interesting what uh, what was interesting about this process is uh, we were able to use a lot of uh, the uh, areas as open areas because we we proposed that these are the meeting places. These uh, small gardens in between the buildings uh, became could become uh, garden gardens and uh, meeting places, open meeting places. Because uh, in uh, maybe in Turkish architecture or maybe architecture in Istanbul is we are a little bit too much on the comfortable side all the time. Uh, maybe it's the uh, European influence, maybe it's the Western uh, architectural history whatsoever, but uh, I think there's amazing weather and we don't take advantage of it. And together with Corona, I think we needed uh, brighter spaces uh, with more uh, fresh air. And this is uh, the, you can't beat the open, open weather in this sense. So we integrated these pieces into the project and it, take, it, it took the project in a more interesting level, uh, we thought, and client liked it, uh, although uh, against all the, all the challenges, uh, client liked it, and we used uh, uh, taking uh, 
taking courage from this uh, this approval. We used a lot of ecological air conditioning uh, and uh, conditioning uh, methods in embedded into building. Uh, we use uh, uh, we we use displacement system. We use uh, fan coils in combination with that. So we use all technology and uh, we also use operate uh, automated operating uh, window systems. So these are all integrated together. Uh, it became uh, more green building at then. It doesn't look green uh, only, <laughs> but it operates uh, green also. Yes, that is important point actually. And uh, talking about COVID-19 and I, I seen this project, uh, how do you see the, how, what is your vision about the future? And also according to your experience, how can architecture help in transforming the post-pandemic world? Uh, yes, good question. I think uh, it's a very, very important question to focus on because uh, like in this project, as architects, we, have, uh, we can take things into a more positive place we always uh, we always are commissioned to do buildings, but I think we should be focused on making spaces. What it means is that uh, we don't really always have to make buildings. We can uh, there's la landscaping, of course. There's uh, semi semi open places. Uh, there are uh, good natural settings. You can even sometimes build a wall and develop kind of. Uh, important conditions, comfortable comfort con conditions. And you can also look at the program, like can, can I uh, take a lot of the spaces outside or should I have to enclose people and uh, develop more enclosure and all that. So I think this uh, COVID situation uh, forces us to look at things differently uh, in terms of the open spaces or in combination with uh, other spaces. Uh, so uh, we wanted to, we, we, we as architects should uh, really be careful about it and take it as an advantage. Beyond that, the uh, uh, conditioning uh, systems are quite important. Uh, we keep using the submarine system. So what we basically learn in school or what we practice in architecture is a, a submarine uh, proposal, proposal, which is... Uh, which is an enclosed enclosure, uh, and you put some clean air, and then when it's so, so dirty, you take some out, but you still keep a lot of the uh, dirty air inside, and we call it conditioning. It's a terrible system. We have been using it for, for ages because it's an industry standard and all that, and now I think it's, it's a good time to change it. Like before, uh, before these high-tech buildings, we used to, uh, use windows, passive cooling, cross ventilation and all that. And we completely forget about those. So I think we can be more flexible in that and we can come up with different ideas. Uh, maybe we are less, we, we can propose less comfortable situations, but more sustainable and more healthy environments. So it's an amazing opportunity to, to propose different things. Amazing, absolutely amazing. And I, I, I've heard from yourself that you, you like philosophy as well. And can you discuss the relationship between architecture and philosophy? And who, who do you follow as a philosopher? And what is 
how does this uh, philosophy, uh, how do you implement or how do you do it in your architecture? Uh, philosophy is quite important. Uh, I can't, uh, I can't really take the place of the philosophers uh, in any sense, uh, but I really enjoy it. And I think there's an uh, there's a philosophy in architecture. Uh, there's a, uh, I think we architects are developing kind of philosophy in every building uh, that you can't really maybe talk about it because language is a way that you can. Uh, propose uh, you, you can develop philosophy, but there's other languages like special experience, like uh, art, like other things uh, that is also talking and that's also language and that also has a philosophy. Maybe it doesn't exactly correspond to a single philosophy, but I think uh, we architects are uh, philosophers or we, we need to be in this sense, in a, in a different sense. Uh, so I really, I really think it's important to give you names. Uh, I can, I can give you a lot of names, but uh, I was watching this amazing documentary about. I'm, I'm really uh, influenced by a lot of land artists, and I was watching this documentary about them, and uh, Robert Simonson, Michael Heiser, and all these amazing guys. And one of them was explaining. Uh, why land art was interesting to him. So he was proposing that uh, there's an idea, uh, you could paint it, or in our case, you, you could make a building and you could sell it, or it could have a price, let's say before, before in, in, the, in the case of architecture, and it became valuable. So it's a building in a certain context, certain, uh, certain price. Uh, but what is he proposing is you have an idea and the idea is important and you should be get paid for the idea, not the building. Uh, so they would come up uh, with different ideas, uh, develop in different lands, different contexts. It is of course contextual, but still uh, the idea is so important that it could come out in different places. So it's not sold as a piece of art or it's not sold as a piece of building but, uh, or, or part of building, but uh, it's, it was the idea. I think it's a very influential thing uh, to think about. Uh, we tend to quantify things with a lot of physicality and we forget how important the, the, the ideas about them. And that's why we kind of end up spending a lot of money a lot, in a lot of projects. We are also involved in uh, large scale projects uh, and we don't end up with good results. So I think this is a very important uh, case to look at uh, to is can we can can we uh, give more importance into idea comparing to physicality, uh, especially in terms of architecture in the in the situation of architecture, it might be very uh, outrageous for some people to think about it, uh, like we are, we are using a lot of building material and all that, but I think it's very important. Absolutely. So. Uh, I'm, I'm, a lot of different people has uh, their different names uh, in terms of the philosophy, uh, but uh, I, I find a lot of philosophy in art. Uh, a lot of the land artists I follow. I in the school time I was uh, a lot of 
interested in Deleuze and uh, all those other French, Derrida and all the other French uh, writers by the time. And I still am interested. Uh, but there, uh, there are more to, more to that. And more, most recently, of course, Timothy Morton is an amazing uh, philosopher. Uh, maybe not all, everybody calls him as a philosopher, but I think it's, it's very interesting the way he looks at the building. I think looking is looking at things is uh, half the seeing or more than the seeing or more than the thinking. Yes. So, you know, object-oriented ontology or it's very complicated sometimes, like it is uh, sometimes very, very aesthetical ideas and all that. But in the essence of it, uh, we actually are one uh, together with all the living things and non-living things. It's an amazing approach. This kind of resolves a lot of things like, uh, you know, we fight each other, we fight uh, Corona, we fight, I don't, it's, it's, the life is a fight. And he brings a completely different way of looking at, yes. at it. And I think it's amusing. Absolutely. Thank you. There's also, uh, there's also Mark Fisher, who uh, suicided. Uh, he is, he's not uh, very influential in terms of the architecture, maybe, but uh, in terms of the society we live in and the fake world we live in, and then uh, he he wrote this uh, capitalist realism, I guess, uh, was the book, name name of the book. It's very influential. It explains a lot of psychological problems uh, we are having in this world, and it explains how uh, how everybody is related in that. And it's amazing how we don't see it. So I think it's uh, not exactly in terms of architecture, but also very influential writer, I would say. Yeah, brilliant. Great names. Thank you. And you're also one of the architects in Turkey who uses mostly uh, like advanced design tools such as parametric and computational tools as well uh, in your designs. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you think computational and parametric design tools have changed the way that we do architecture in the last 20 years? Uh, it changed, uh, I think it changed us, uh, changed a lot. A lot of the architects are very resistant against it. Uh, a lot of the people are against it. Uh, but even we don't want it, it comes out in the, in the process. Not in our case, we really, we really uh, enjoy using all the digital tools and I think they are important. Uh, but a lot of people, even they avoided it, then now they are working with it because Everybody is doing models, uh, renderings, and this uh, digital information. The idea uh, becomes a, a digital idea, like one uh, uh, last, let's say, fuzzy idea in our brain becomes a digital idea. And then this digital idea is so, uh, it has so many uh, reflections. It can reflect into the side. It can reflect into the drawings, it can reflect into the uh, CNC machine and all that. At the end, uh, this is very strong and it changes all the construction industry. So I think we shouldn't avoid it. We should try to learn how we can use it more intelligently. I think it's very important. And uh, I'm not sure if all the architects are taking advantage of it, but I think uh, as architects, we still uh, have a lot of uh, things to think about.
uh, and I think it's important if you look at the if you look at the human uh, human human race. Uh, if you take out the technology, we are nothing different than animal. I mean, uh, a lot of the uh, different creatures live ever live a life. Uh, they feel things. Uh, they do. They make couples. They they make babies. Uh, they maybe are more peaceful than us, maybe happier than us. But if you take out technology, there's not much. Uh, if you if yes. you bring in, the, they they don't use technology. If you bring in technology, it's, it's completely different. So I think we have a very broken uh, relationship with technology. Uh, we can't avoid it, and there are always two sides of it. Like one uh, extremist uh, who enjoy technology, who enjoy future. And then they do crazy things. And then there's this other group that they hate technology. They they don't want to use it. They're always against it, but they end up using it. And uh, and then they don't want to think about it. They they think it's it's wrong and all that. So I think there's this broken relationship with uh, technology. Uh, we how we can be more critical and uh, more uh, more specific about using technology is a very important subject. Uh, and I hope my architect friends also consider uh, looking at it in more, more detail. Yeah. Maybe. Exactly. They should better to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, how do you define a good architecture, Alta? Good what architecture. Is, what is the characteristics of a good architecture? Good architecture. Good question. Uh, possibly, if you find it, you, you become <laughs> you become the great architect. <laughs> yeah, hard to I answer. Mean, <laughs> I mean, yes, uh, yes, it's, it's a complex question. A lot of I think a lot of people people try to find the the answer, uh, but I think it's very important. I I, I think the good architecture exists. Like uh, we we usually discuss discuss uh, styles approaches, technologies, and all that. But at the end, there are good architects and bad architects, like, or bad architecture, good architecture and bad architecture. I can't say good, all, some good architects do terrible architecture, some bad architects do amazing buildings. So I can't really generalize it, but uh, there are certain results, there are certain amazing results that makes, makes, uh, make, make ourselves move makes uh, the people live inside happy. Uh, it contributes to humanity. Uh, when you see it, it's like listening uh, some special music or seeing certain uh, type of interesting art. It changes your opinion. It changes, uh, you start believing that good things can happen in, in the world and the world can change and different things uh, can happen in the world. So I think if you, if you are able to think about this when you are uh, visiting this kind of uh, visiting this kind of architecture piece, I think there's uh, there's exactly good architecture. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, do you have any uh, dream project or a vision, perhaps, uh, of something that you might bring to reality as your architecture magic? Mm -hmm. uh, I. In terms of the project, I think we are uh, happily occupied with a lot of interesting projects. 
So I'm happy with what we are doing. I won't describe the happy uh, or great commission, uh, but I think it, it could be very interesting size. I really enjoy working in in, in nature. Uh, to it's very hard. Uh, it's extremely hard because uh, you need to engage it in a very uh, delicate way, and also it's very, uh, very very nice to work in this context because you learn a lot from nature and you you have a lot of opportunities to ask to yourself how this nature is so amazing and then how uh, the situation of architecture is so terrifyingly terrible and then uh, what we can learn like how I can uh, how I cannot how what can I do not to ruin it uh, not to ruin this beautiful setting so uh, sometimes in certain natural settings you wish uh, your building can disappear sometimes uh, you you propose something that uh, is happily together with the nature uh, so i would say you know specific uh, natural settings uh, would be a very amazing uh, place place to work on small or big amazing awesome uh, what do you think about our platform pa PA, I, I roughly met you guys, I think, around the time, uh, time uh, I met you. Uh, like, in, in our team, we have these amazing people interested in a lot of things, and they're like, oh, you, you, you have to see this platform and all that. So it was, uh, and then when I looked at it, uh, it is uh, it's very courageous. It brings a lot of... Uh, specific projects uh, together uh, in a cer certain direction and in this uh, world of grayness i felt great uh, see seeing the platform because things really started to look like each other uh, after a certain time and it was unique and uh, you brought different things together courageously so it was it was my my impression <laughs> thank you so much thank you and lastly, you have lectured in many universities and also with these, all these experience that you have in practice, what mm -hmm. kind of advice would you like to share with uh, students and young professionals? Young professionals, is amazing to be an architecture student, I would say. Uh, it is literally the best times of my life. Uh, so it, is, it, is, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, if it is not fun, it can be very painful. So maybe uh, one of my teammates, uh, uh, AJ, was mentioning about it. There's uh, what he he what she proposes is like that. There's a very thin line between stress and uh, excitement. Uh, you could be very excited and you could be enjoying it a lot, <laughs> or you could be really stressed uh, about same, it. Stressed about it, and there's there's a, a millimeter uh, or millisecond difference in between those. So I think uh, for a lot of you is in your hands and try to get excited with your projects, with, uh, with whatever you are seeing, whatever you are dealing with. Uh, architecture is an amazing, uh, amazing profession. I mean, I don't need to talk about it. A lot of people uh, know about it possibly, uh, but I think you come up, you have to, even even you design uh, objects or even you come up with 
softwares and all that. This is something you do every couple of months. You, you have to design something. You have to realize something. And it really becomes part of people's life. So it's, it's, I think it's an exciting, uh, exciting profession. And people maybe find their own exciting dimension on it. And I think uh, this is what, they, what, what you guys should look for. It, is, uh, uh, it has multiple layers. And you want to see what's exciting about, about it. And you will see a lot of, you will face a lot of uh, teachers, uh, studio instructors, competitions. Uh, you will not, uh, you will lose a lot of competitions. You will uh, miss a lot of chances and all that. And then uh, you'll be criticized at a certain time. But they're amazing. They're amazing too, because uh, you are, what you are doing is, a huge responsibility and every negative thing you're facing is an opportunity to, to make it better. So try to consider it that way. And uh, when you have the chance to do something, to build something, uh, even even you work in the office, uh, be a very small part of it, uh, go see it on the, on the construction site somehow. It's an amazing experience. Like you draw something and it's realized in the, in the site is uh, in the in the scale and becomes part of life it becomes part of work so i think it's a very exciting thing so this 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 a unique chance uh, and reading uh, was very important in in my time uh, i'm not very i'm not very old but <laughs> i sometimes feel old like i was proposing this uh, one of my uh, teammates again like I was proposing this movie and she told me like we don't really watch movies we, <laughs> we, 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 so considering people don't watch movies I can't propose a lot of books uh, <laughs> but you know like drawing with uh, books with a lot of uh, nice drawings monographs uh, magazines they were really exciting and I learned a lot uh, it's a lot of self-teaching in architecture obviously as maybe a lot of the people experience. So uh, I would collect some money to, to, to buy this like huge uh, books and all that. And then I was happy with all those and I thought they were really inspirational. Maybe yeah. that's the this, this second, second advice I could give. Yes, amazing. Thank you so much. It was really uh, inspiring discussion. I really appreciate your time. Do you have any final words to add to this conversation? Uh, thank you for inviting. Uh, this is pretty much that. Uh, I think uh, a lot of architects uh, watch it. I think uh, you have an interesting time uh, to change things and make the world better. Uh, and beyond money uh, or financial things, I, I, I know it's very hard for a lot of people not to think about it. Uh, it's, it's the reality of the of the life, uh, but I think you should look for some meaning in terms of architecture. Otherwise, architecture is not a very profitable work to to work on. Uh, so, looking for meaning in architecture is a very exciting journey, and I I wish you a lot of luck in your journey. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Alpa. Thank Thanks you. for joining, and I really appreciate for this inspiring discussion. Thank you for inviting. Have a nice day. Goodbye. Ciao. Bye. Bye.
guys thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the podcast please subscribe to pure talks podcast and spotify apple podcast and google podcast in order not to miss a single episode also you can find out more by going to parametric-architecture.com slash patalks please share this podcast with a url to inspire a friend also you can use hashtag patalks on twitter instagram facebook to give us a feedback about the podcast thank you